0: Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe
1: Lynch. Hey, everybody, this is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Today's topic is the only three ways to improve your sales with my friend, Steve Elwell. Steve, welcome to the show again. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. You're most welcome. I've had some introductions to Steve. He's been on my podcast a few other times. Steve and I work real close together on helping companies improve their sales. He's been a tremendous influence on me when it comes to sales. He's very smart, got some great insights. And a few weeks ago, I interviewed Steve on the buying process. And it was very well received. And I got really good feedback. But one of the things that was kind of a tidbit in there that we didn't get into the details of is Steve said, well, there's only three things that the sales manager can do. And so that brings us to today's topic, which the only three ways to improve your sales. Steve, why don't you touch on the buying process and introduce us to this new concept? Well, yeah, the buying process, as we talked
2: last time, was uh, is really the process that buyers go through to decide on buying your product or service. They decide what all the pieces are of it, they control it, and uh, we as salespeople, sales managers, sales executives, are trying to attempt to influence their decision-making. Uh, they control it, and we try to influence it.
1: Yep, and I think this is a real departure from the way we used to look at sales, which was, we have a sales process, and... We kind of control it. And I think I said it in our last conversation together is, as an old ops guy, I've always looked at processes within my four walls and maybe within my supply chain and said, I can control this. When we get to this, the buying process, I don't control it. But even the sales process, I don't get to control the variables.
2: No, you control precious little, frankly. And uh, your best defense against that in most cases is to really understand it well and then uh, plan your work, how you're going
1: to influence it, and how you're going to use it to meet your goals. Yep, aligning our sales process to that buying process. So, Steve, take us through this process. So the topic, again, is the only three ways to improve your sales. Steve, what's the first way we can improve our sales?
2: This is the most obvious one in some respects, but it's, uh, it's increasing the number of opportunities that you have available to you. I think you can look at, you know, we've all known salespeople at one time or another who who don't seem to be particularly good, don't seem to close a lot, but they have a lot of opportunities coming at them and they uh, they make quite a nice
1: living for themselves. And uh, that's really what this is. Yeah, if I could add something to that, this is lead gen, right? So getting more opportunities is, to my way of looking at it, the most important thing. When I talk to transportation logistics guys, this is their number one problem. Yeah, They want more opportunities, and I say it all the time. When you have lots of opportunities, you have some swagger because you think, I don't have to close this deal. I've got 10 others just like it.
2: Sure, it's got some pretty neat characteristics to it. It, It's also, of the things that you can do, it's the most certain of the bunch. Uh, If you have more opportunities coming at you, odds are you're going to close more and sell more. The penalty for this is that it's usually the most expensive thing you can do because what it means is you have to have uh, more people, you have to make more phone calls, you've got to spend more money, but it pays in the sense that, okay, I have more things to work on. How might we go about getting more opportunities? Well, you know, there's a bunch of things that you can do. Kind of the one that I know is near and dear to a lot of folks heart of late is, you know, is using the, the online resources. Websites, content marketing, blogs, videos, podcasts like this one is a good way to cause opportunities to seek you out. Things like SEO, search engine optimization, where you're using the, the search engines to bring people to your message. Social media. Uh, you're talking to people on, on LinkedIn or Facebook or, or whatever. Uh, there's more traditional ways, simple advertising, uh, presence in magazines and that sort of thing. Not real big in the industrial space, but, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, prevalent clearly in the consumer stuff. You can improve your brand and your messaging. Again, this makes you more attractive to those folks who might be seeking you out. How you do that can have an impact on it, you know, how well you understand your customer and so forth.
1: Yeah, Steve, if I could add something to that brand and messaging, you and I both are reading that the new book, Brand Story, and discussed it offline. I think it's an area where transportation and logistics uh, warehousing has traditionally fallen down a little bit. We haven't worried so much about building a brand, uh, having messaging that's consistent throughout the process. And also, it doesn't tend to be customer-focused. It tends to be, we're specialists in LTL, rather than looking at what your customer is looking for.
2: Sure. Well, and that makes perfect sense because in a lot of cases, in the logistics business, you're doing business with a wide variety of companies and understanding their, their particular business and how you fit into it is a daunting task. Now, of late, with some of the larger players in the 3PL space and others, they've brought this sort of uh, outside level of understanding and sophistication to their businesses. And they're bringing a lot more opportunities to their companies. And consequently, they're growing, they're buying other companies, they're doing things that are really shaking up the industry. And how you do your branding and how you understand how your company your service, your brand fits within and contributes to your customer's mission is an enormous shift. And again, it can be a very critical contributor in terms of the numbers of opportunities that you receive. I mean, it, uh, if you have a message that's resonating well with your customer base, they're going to come to you in greater numbers.
1: Yep. Steve, take us through some other, we've already talked about online presence, which I think a lot of us are using, talked about messaging. What are some other ways we can get more opportunities? A not
2: so obvious one is, is focusing in on a market in a segment. You know, And really what you're doing with that is you're applying a lot of resource to a single space, being kind of ubiquitous, Hey, you can't turn around without bumping India. And when you develop that critical mass, opportunities begin to come to you because you're perceived as the dominant and best player in that market. It develops a, you know, a snowballing effect. So it allows you greater concentration in that space. Give me an example. Uh, let's say, for example, you're in a market niche, let's say one that's near and dear to your heart, let's say food, okay? Every food shipper in the world or in a state, Texas, for example, knows your name and your services, when the time comes for them to reach out and maybe look at a new supplier, your name, your services are going to be familiar to them. In the old days, they would, the advertising people would call that you're part of the evoked set. And the first phone call that they're going to make is to you. And the reason they're going to do that is because from their perspective, within their market
1: space, you're the dominant player. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So what's some other approaches that we can use to get more opportunities? Here's one that no one will like uh, except
2: for the salespeople. Uh, and that is hire more salespeople. You know, the fact is that the more people you put out in the street, contacting customers, existing, turning over rocks and identifying new prospects. The more opportunities you're going to get. Now, the downside of that is there's an expectation in this world that you be smart and efficient, and you know you're going to get something for nothing to some extent. But uh, if you put more people out there and they're doing their job and they're reasonably uh, proficient at it, you're going to get more opportunities, and that will translate to more sales.
1: Yep. Other
2: things you can do. Something that's a little more near and dear to my heart is the the networking approach of things. Offline relationship building, right? And this is more things like standard promotional activities. Uh, you know, if you're at a conference, you know, let's say for example, back to the food, you want to go back to the, the food shipping conference or a, a vehicle or an industry association and, and you shake hands, you grip and grin and buy somebody a sandwich or a coffee or whatever and get to know them. Those are industry events, again, those are face-to-face and they work. They increase the number of opportunities that you're going to get. The price of that and, and whether or not that's something that fits within your personal or company's budget, that's a separate question. But it certainly has an effect on this because you know a lot of these things are, uh, can be expensive when you do a lot of them.
1: Yeah, Steve, I always say that regardless of what you do online, at some point, it has to become an offline relationship to make the business work. Yeah,
2: people have relationships with people. Uh, they don't have relationships with organizations. And uh, until you put two people in a room together, you're really not going to have access to a buying process. Those are face to eyeball, ear to phone kinds of things. When there's something that that's important, I think as we spoke about in in our last conversation.
1: Yep. So the first up again, number one of these three ways to improve your sales. Number one is. Get more leads, get more opportunities that you can look at. So what is the second way to improve sales?
2: The second way is a little more artful in some respects, and that's to reduce the amount of time that it takes for a customer to go through their buying process and get to a decision to buy your product. It's shortening the amount of time it takes for the customer to make a decision. And uh, what that means is, having a sense of urgency for all the things that are in our control. In other words, let's not waste time in our activities that we're doing to support the customer making his or her decision.
1: Yes. Yeah, Steve, you said something before that I always liked is you said, all we can do is the sellers is increase the time. We can't force them to uh, go faster, but we can make it go slower by not answering their questions, not providing them with the information they need to make that decision. And so you said something to me about always keep the ball in their court. So if they have a question, you answer it immediately and thoroughly. Right.
2: That's right. And unforced errors. And it's not just do the right thing. It's make sure you don't do the wrong thing. So an unforced error would be something like, I added something into the communication that created doubt on the part of the customer and opened up an entirely new line of questioning that dragged the process
1: out that much more. I could also add something here. So if, let's just say you're selling transportation services and you say, we're setting up inbound logistics for a manufacturing company. Maybe you already have some customers you're working with. If you could set that up and say, This is our program and we're going to implement this program and present it that way to them. Rather than say it's a brand new customized approach for them, you bring them that and potentially they go, yeah, that works. And maybe you shorten that time. Right, exactly.
2: And that's that kind of thing. And going back to our prior conversation is, look, things that are risk reducing tend to shorten it up. Things that increase your authority, increase your empathy and increase the likelihood that your buyer is going to look good in front of their boss all of those things improve the deal and shorten the amount of time it's likely to take to bring that deal to a conclusion
0: we'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. Okay, Steve, so number one
1: was get more leads. That makes sense. I knew that one. Second one was reducing the amount of time it takes for your customer to make a decision. And again, you can only influence that. You can't force it. What is the third way? The third way is is
2: every salesperson's favorite one, and that is improve the success rate at which you close. If I could only close more deals. There's some things about that. One, in order to make improvements in that space, one of them is how good are you as a salesperson? All the things that make a good salesperson affect the rate of success. So if you're a better salesperson tomorrow than you were today, odds are you're going to you're going to close more deals. There are things that are outside the salesperson, you know the relative strength of the offer that you're making, okay. How good is your product or service relative to your competitors? What is its perceived value and has that value been communicated well, not just by you as the salesperson, but by your organization? And then alignment to the customer's buying process is something that can really increase hit rates. And the thing of it is, is that in some ways it's difficult to do because the alignment doesn't just exist within the sales organization. It exists outside, so it could be part of how you manufacture, how you price, how you deliver on your product or service, uh, what your reputation is. So it could be, it can pick up the executive, it can pick up marketing. All these organizations, all these functions have a role in alignment. Now you as a sales executive, sales manager, salesperson only have access to some parts of that. But the parts that you control are the things that you can begin to drive alignment to that process or the buying process, which will improve your,
1: your close rates. Steve, if I could add something to that is one of the things I encounter a lot in my business is people reach out to me and they'll go, Hey, that sounds real good. Give me a quote, send me a proposal. And and they want to have like that two minute, five minute conversation. And I kind of think, yeah, I've done this before. And, and, you kind of know that it's not going to be a sale. You almost get the sense they're shopping around. And so now I'm I'm very careful about who I actually put a proposal together for.
2: Sure. Well, they're placating you with a yes. In that situation, that's a salesmanship issue. And they want to make you go away because they're not really interested. And one of the things that they do is they will make you do work for them. And then later on, they'll, they'll ignore you and the deal will go away. That's a challenging thing. And it has a lot to do with how you've trained your salespeople and how they understand what the real buying process of that customer is.
1: And is it appropriate to perhaps egg their house if
2: that happens? Oh, absolutely. Every (laughs) single time, (laughs) provided it doesn't, you know, you don't have to travel a long distance in order to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I need affiliates.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Steve, you've taken us through three ways. And again, I I think this is to the audience. None of these are a surprise, I don't think, to anybody. But looking at the framework, these are the only three areas you can improve your sales. And one is more leads. One is uh, reduce the amount of time it takes to get to a decision. All you can do is influence that one. And the last one is improve your hit rate. So those are the big three. Did we miss anything?
2: No. uh, You know, What I would do is just tie those things together for our math-oriented friends out there. And that is, you can take those three things and create a, a fairly brief little math equation that will give you the throughput on your pipeline and uh, allow you to calculate kind of in advance what your sales numbers are going to be. It gets used again and again, but it, uh, it's a very nice tool that can be used to, uh, to help you manage and uh, forecast and budget
1: uh, you know, your sales function. Yep, absolutely. So you can turn these big three which is, again, the uh, more leads, higher success, hit rate, and shorten the process. You can put those into an equation.
2: Yeah, you can and, and, and use it again and again. And, and it's a primary kind of a thing for those people who are in the sales forecasting business. Sounds
1: good. So what else?
2: There's some other things that attach to all three of those. And this is sort of the interesting part about it. There are activities that will affect one or two of those elements, and and there's a few of them that affect all of them, and uh, there's some critical ones. First one that I would really put out there is the use of a sales filter, which is a way of qualifying the leads. And really what we're trying to do is ask the question, of the opportunities that are coming into us, which ones are suitable for us to invest our time, money, and talent in so that we can get what we want. And typically that will take the form of a series of questions. It may, you know, some of the questions are going to be obvious that are, you know, there to design whether it's real or not. Hey, you know, we have a decision maker, we have budget, we have timelines, the typical sorts of things there. Other ones are more unique to our business and they may be things like can we service this business without additional investment on our part because we may not be willing to make the investment. Can we service this business without hiring anyone? Does this business fit within the kind of margin uh, constraints we want? Is it, In other words, is it profitable enough for us to become involved in? There are competitive reasons. You know, is this in a market that's attractive to us that we're not currently in, and this represents an opportunity to enter that market? There are literally dozens and dozens of them. And uh, as you use them and look at your opportunities over time, what you'll find is that, well, okay, we we looked at some opportunities this week and they didn't quite pass muster in our filter. But next week the situation has changed and we're gonna, you know, some of those would just be fine. It's a living, breathing kind of a thing. And the advantage of it is that depending upon how you select, you can shrink the amount of time it takes those opportunities to mature in your pipeline. Yep. You can increase your hit rate and on and on. It touches them all.
1: Yeah, Steve, if I could uh, add something to the filter, I know you're a big believer in the filter. I know you use it with a lot of your clients, and I I think it's a great tool. And one of the things I've talked to you about in the past is so often companies don't get enough good opportunities. So everything stays as a live deal. and. You find yourself bidding on stuff that you think, ah, this is a substandard client. This isn't a space we're really good at. So we normally do truckload. But I got this guy who's talking to me about LTL. So I'm willing to have that conversation, even though it's not a strength. If you had enough good leads, you wouldn't pursue it. Right.
2: Oh, exactly. And this is part of the issue, right? When you're in the sales business, you're under the gun to deliver on revenue targets. And if things aren't quite going your way, there's not enough activity in there, it's very important to at least make it look like there's activity in there. Consequently, what happens is salespeople, sales managers will fill the pipeline hoping that people don't look too closely at it. The problem with that is that what you're really doing is you're wasting investment in people and money on things that are never going to happen. And if you use a filter on the front end of this, what you find is You're successful more often. You're not wasting your time on opportunities that are never going to come to pass or bear fruit. And you do put your time into bringing new opportunities in that are going to bear fruit. So it's a short-term versus a little longer-term view of things. And the longer-term view is, is better. So the sales filter covers all of that for you and puts you in a position to be successful in meeting your number. And it does so at a budget. You're not wasting time. You're not wasting money. And you're managing your sales in a way that's going to lead to success.
1: Sounds good. So what else? Is there anything else that uh, can impact this? Yeah, there's a, the other part of it is your talent management.
2: What is the quality of your sales organization? Not just your feet in the street salespeople, but sales support and all the things that go into that. And what that means is that can take the form of, I'm just bringing better people in. I'm recruiting a little more intelligently. I'm a little more focused. I understand my customer's buying process better. And I'm bringing people to my mission who are better suited to deal with that. So that may be letting people go and hiring new ones, hiring new ones to the existing. And it may mean training your salespeople and your support people in these ideas so that they can go from where, you know, the level of performance that they're at today to something that's more aligned with the buying process and aligned with with your corporate mission.
1: Yeah. And Steve, we talked a little bit about this offline and about the role of a good sales manager. And you know, a good sales manager might come in and say, I'm going to make your existing people better because I'm going to I'm going to mentor them. I'm going to coach them. I'm going to develop these. Our selling process. So it's aligned to the buying process. And I'm going to attack each one of these three things we talked about today. In a way, that sales manager is the shortcut to success.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in some ways, that's absolutely right. You know, if they're bringing that perspective to the organization, that's absolutely true. The thing about it is that, and really what you're talking about is a, is a leadership function with good general leadership. Properly defined mission, properly supported, the belief of the people, right? The the empathy between the leader and the follower, the proper authority of that. And I don't mean, hey, this guy carries a vice president title or whatever else. Someone who is genuinely knowledgeable and experienced in the things that they're being asked to do as a leader. The followers will trust that and they'll get, that leader will get more of the right kind of effort from those people. And all of the things that we talked about to this point benefit from that. So they get done more energetically, more completely, more correctly, and more aligned to the customer's buying process. And what comes out of the bottom of all of that is more sales, more efficiency, more effectiveness, greater market share, greater understanding of the customer, the the market segment, and the forecastability. Of all of that, which is certainty, which is the thing that you know, if you're a part of a publicly traded company, everybody wants to know hey, where's the money coming from three, six, nine months from now? And if you're in the
1: strategy business, it's a one to three year. And if you can tell them that, you're in great shape. Everybody's got to meet their numbers. Well, Steve, this was this was great. I appreciate you taking the time and uh taking us through this. And again, I think for those of you who are listening, I think the big takeaway on all this is this is a framework to look at. We all know that we need more leads. We all know that we need to shorten our cycle time on sales. And we all know we need to improve our hit rate. This is just a great way to look at it. And I appreciate you, Steve, for bringing this to us.
2: It's always a pleasure. And uh, I'm I'm really pleased to hear how things are going with this uh,
1: broadcast. Thank you so much and um, if you want to reach out to Steve uh, you can I'll, I'll put his LinkedIn profile and again Steve and I do work together on a lot of projects so if you get me oftentimes you get Steve and if you get Steve you oftentimes you get me with him so uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Steve. Thanks again. thank all of you for listening.